John 6, going to continue in John 6, and this is called Believe in Him, this is number three. Um, Who can tell me, quick quiz, quick question, I started this three weeks ago, but two weeks ago in Believe 2, what was the main point? What was the main nugget that I wanted us to come into to understand out of that message? Can anyone tell me? It's the key to the whole entire John 6. So the key to this, everything you're going to hear I speak from John 6, this is the absolute key to it all. Anybody? He wants to be the source of your life. So often we can just have him as the resource. And what we're going to look at today is a bit more of him being a resource, but he wants to take us beyond him being a resource. He wants to be your source. He wants to be like oxygen. He wants you to not be able to exist without him. Not when things are bad in life. Do you know you actually need him more when things are good? Because that's the bit when complacency sets in, isn't it? And we tend to just want to reach out when things are bad. And then when things become good again, we don't reach out. Because really, he's only our resource. But he wants to be, he is the God of this universe. He needs to be our source. Needs to be the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the clothing that you wear. That's why he describes himself as those things. And he says, why do you worry about your life? What do you worry about what you put on watermelon shirts and shoes and spend thousands of dollars keeping this thing that's going to perish alive looking good? Why do you do it? And there's nothing wrong with it if it's anchored in something else. But when it's just anchored in you and this world, then there's something very wrong with it because it's perishing. So you're investing time, energy, resource into something that's ultimately dying. It's not using what he's given you well. So he needs to become our source. And I got the water bottle of all water bottles for my birthday. (laughs) Thank you, Cassidy. And this thing's incredible. And she put on it a scripture she knows is one of my favorite scriptures, which is Proverbs 25.2, which says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it is the glory of kings, plural kings, to search it out. Did you know what you're about to hear and what I'm about to read? There's way more in John 6 that's concealed for you. You can't just read what's there and come up with a mental understanding and go, oh, that's all there is there, because this tells me, not the bottle, but scripture, that God conceals himself and his word. So it's concealed for you. But if you try to attempt to enter into that with only you, then it's from you. And you'll wonder why you're never coming into what's concealed. So it's hidden, isn't it? I love this example because this is black. Anyone tell me what I've got in here? We said water, whiskey, What else looks like water that's alcoholic? Vodka. Vodka. If I start slurring and speaking like a Russian, you'll know something's going wrong. How do you know what's in here, though? Can you see it? 
It could be nothing. I could be doing this and just kidding everybody. You see, God conceals himself and you need ears and eyes to see what's in the unseen. There could be nothing in here. I could be drinking vodka. I could be drinking water. But you'd never know, but you're called to know what's in the unseen. You're called to see through the black and into what is there. Into the hidden realm is where the church is to receive all its mana from. And Jesus came from a hidden realm into a seen realm and then said, I'm the bread of life. And so what I want us to hear today is not what's literally written down. I'm going to expand and open up what you're about to hear. And I pray you can hear it because it's way more than just what's here. Because it's hidden for us. But there is a food source that we cannot live an eternal life unless we are eating and drinking. So it is that literal, guys. What keeps your physical body going is physical food. What keeps your spiritual body going and the enablement to live as Christ is spiritual food. They are very different foods, aren't they? And as we know, man cannot live on the physical alone. He needs the physical to keep a physical shell going, but that's not where you're anchored. Jesus was not eating physical food when he went into the wilderness for 40 days and was not hungry until he came out. Why? Because he was partaking of food in the wilderness that's in a hidden realm. He was partaking of food that was himself because he's from the hidden realm. And you and I must be eating the food from the hidden realm. That's a bit trippy, isn't it, Chris? How do you find food in an unseen realm and eat it when you can't see it? But we're called to be the people that see it. So there's an issue. If we can't see the food that we're supposed to be eating, you won't eat it, will you? Because you don't even know it exists. You can't. So let's continue in this John 6. Uh, We're going to pick it up in verse 3 because we looked at 1 and 2 a couple of weeks ago. And it goes... No, actually, before I do that, can you just put up that first diagram? Thank you. Two portals, okay, that we live. There is a kingdom of God on the earth and there is a kingdom of the world on the earth. Are we correct? Yes. Jesus said, I'm going to bring my kingdom to earth. So there are two kingdoms that sit on earth. Can we agree with that? Spiritual kingdom, physical kingdom. Okay. So the first on the left-hand side, the kingdom of the world is the biggest, and the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, tiny seed, but it's on earth now. Jesus said, get a brand new way of thinking because my kingdom is on earth. Can you see it? And you must be born again to enter into it. So what we know is the kingdom of the world, and we know it really well. It's the big dominant culture. It's the big thing that we live in, isn't it? But Jesus turned up 2,000 years ago and said, guess what? I bring with me a little kingdom, but in me it's massive. And it's a kingdom of light, but you've got to be born to enter into it. So you know what you do? I heard it in 1997, and I entered into the small little dot. And as I entered into the small little dot through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit propelled me on the inside of my heart and mind into all of a sudden this other kingdom opened up. And I turn back and I look, and now the kingdom of the world is the dot. And I'm looking back, like in Matrix, at the dot. But the dot now, which was the kingdom of God, is now the kingdom of the world. And now I'm living in the kingdom of the world, sorry, the kingdom of God, even though I'm on earth. But what dominates me is not the world. 
It's not the culture of the world. It's not the way of the world. It's not the excuses of the world. It's not the truth that the world is pumping up as truth, which is all lies. It's him. What world are you living in and eating from and partaking of? Is this world and its food source your food source? And the kingdom of God is still a tiny little dot in your heart and mind. And you're trying to access it through the ways of the world, but never actually being able to enter into it because you're trying to access this through it, the wrong wisdom. And so when Jesus turned up and said, guys, I am the bread of life. You've partaken of unleavened bread and stuff for a while, and that's okay, but it was never going to do the job. We're going to look at that today. I'm here for you to partake of me and eat of me and drink of me. Otherwise, you have no life in you. So what kingdom are we really living from and in? That's a question he would want to ask you today and have you do homework on and seek him with all you are so you hear every word that is spiritual. Because the Bible says that I don't speak. Paul never spoke persuasive words of human wisdom, but he spoke words that the mature heard. But they were spiritual words with spiritual thoughts which means it's a language from another place. And it's power because it's food. And God gives us the analogy of food, and we're going to look at that again to show us we're about to partake, aren't we? Who's going to be full in about mm, 40 minutes? Well, it depends how quick you are, I guess. <laughs> but you're going to walk out of here full. Do you know it's the place to live your whole life in Christ? Not now and again, continuously. So he says this, pick it up, let's go. John 6 verse 3. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Was the Passover a tangible thing that they did? Yes, they did. So once again, there is the physical aspect of everything. Then we're going to look at the spiritual aspect of it all, okay? And so this Jewel thing always happens all at the same time. And we have to be able to realize that as the natural thing progresses, so the spiritual is going parallel lines like this. And so here is this Passover, and it says it's the feast of the Jews was near. Hmm, who's the Passover? And was he right near them? Are they seeing that? Do you see that? Or are we just about a physical partaking of unleavened bread, a lamb, some drink, and it's just a Passover? It's done, physical, we've ticked the box. Or do you partake of the Passover? The Passover that changes you, not just taking bread that does nothing to you. It's like communion. Do you partake of Christ or bread and juice? Bread and juice do nothing. Christ does everything. And it says, that's the Passover, it's the feast of the Jews. Who did he come for first? So it's their feast. And they partook, didn't they, of the natural. But then when the Passover turned up and he came right near to them, said, hey, you can touch me. You can eat with me. They completely miss their real Passover. 
the feast. How much is in him? This is about the feeding of about 15,000 people, is it not? How many bread and fish was left over? Twelve baskets, two fish, five loaves, twelve baskets. That's multiplication, isn't it? That doesn't make logical sense, rational sense to us, does it? No, because you know what kingdom was operating? His one. That's the kingdom we're to operate from. So he is the Passover. He is the feast that we are to be feasting on. He was the feast that they were to be feasting on, yet they rejected him. Why? Because they're trying to comprehend him from the kingdom of the world, the wisdom of the world. And when the wisdom of God stands in front of you and you're of the wisdom of the world and you don't get it, you miss it. And I'm talking as a Christian. You miss it completely unaware that it was right in front of you. He's standing right in front of you going, can you hear in a way that changes you? Can you hear in a way that you leave here full now? Because you're fed on the spiritual word, not the physical word that you tried to comprehend in your head when Simnor was speaking. That would be a mistake. And that will leave you empty. So just like the Jews, we have to understand who the Passover is. If he was the feast for the Jews, he's the feast for you and I. And there is enough to go around every second of the day 100 times. He never runs dry. He never runs out. He says, if you come to me, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. There is no lack. I don't even know what that is. As soon as a chicken turns up, another chicken turns up, and then another chicken turns up, and another chicken's up. Do you know the plates in there would be constantly full all the time, and we'd come back next week, and they'd be waiting to go again. What does that feel like, look like, experience like, in the spirit. That's what we are to know, guys. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. It says this, Clean out the old leaven, so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. That's a bit of a trippy one. Clean it out, but you already are it. So you are clean, but you need to be washed. You are righteous in God, but you need to live a life of righteousness. You still have flesh in you. So from my perspective, he's saying, I've cleaned you by the blood of the Lamb, but... You now need to become what I say you are. You need to go with my spirit and truth, and he is going to perfect the work in you, Philippians 1.6, that I started in you. So you are sons, now you need to become and live as sons. It's no good just staying in principle. That's a waste of time to know it in principle if it never manifests into a reality. To know you are it and never live it is a crying shame. And really, it doesn't, it's no, it doesn't do you any good to know it, does it? 
It's just confession of something, but you never live it out. What's the point in that when that's when he, what he died for was you to know it? And then he says this, for Christ our Passover. He is the Passover. It's him. He is the feast. Everything is contained in him. This is what he's trying to say to them. But yes, he's fully aware of the physical requirements of this Passover that the Jewish people did. And we still celebrate it today. But you can just go through the physical ceremony of a Passover, communion, and have zero life in you. Because all you're doing is partaking of the natural. And as much as he says, remember me in doing this, which is awesome, there is no revelation through the remembering. You just remember, and it's good, and it's not wrong. But he wants to take us way, way deeper than that. He wants you to eat him and drink of him, which is highly offensive to the Jews, but it wasn't supposed to be. Then he says, for Christ is our Passover, also, so a Passover also, sorry, for Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast. Which one? Well, both. Both are yes and yes. But are we in one and not the other? Ultimately, we need to be in him one and celebrate. That's what we were just doing there. Celebrating our Lord through praise because I'm partaking of the Lord. The living reality of the Christ in me, in you, creates praise. Celebration. You cannot not but. It's impossible to not. Because he's greater than me. Christ in me, growing in me, got to come out of me. Why? Because he's bigger than me. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity. And truth. Who's the unleavened bread? It's him, isn't it? It's not making unleavened bread, eating that and going, let's celebrate, have a party, in the sense of, here I'm saying, yes, but that's not going to change you. Just having a sip from a substance that you know nothing of. Everyone's going to come up and go. (laughs) Come to Hebrews 10. Are we hearing what I'm saying? Hebrews 10 verses 1. One sacrifice of Christ is sufficient for the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never 
by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not designed, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above, Sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. Which commandment are you living under? Hmm. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now just come over to verse 19 which a new and living way. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, blood of Jesus, his flesh, are two key aspects here. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, who's that? Who's the house of God? Us, Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Jews ate the unleavened bread, didn't they? And they still do, and we still do, if you partake over the Passover. It's right. Nothing wrong with it. But that is a means towards an end. And unfortunately, the Jews have made it an end. And even we can make it an end because we're unaware there is a greater reality that's on offer that sits right in front of us, but it's hidden. And it's concealed for us in an unseen realm where Jesus came from. The worlds, Hebrews 11.3 says the worlds are... It's an S on the end of world... The worlds were prepared by what? The word of God, which is not seen in this realm. So what created this realm came from another realm. That's trippy. Are you hearing it? If you're the house of God and you're the creation of God, Are you receiving a word from an unseen place? Are you drinking his blood and his eating his flesh like he commanded? 
which they got highly offended at, didn't they? We don't want to get offended at that. We want to be going, yes, Greg, we are. You see, I just read out there in Romans that it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way through the veil that is his flesh. Okay, John 6, 53. We're going on a little bit of a journey of the scripture. John 6, 53. Remember what I just read out? John 6, 53 says this. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. Did he not say don't work for food that perishes? But receive food that only the Son of Man can give to you. Remember, where's he from? The unseen realm. So the unseen realm has to turn up in the seen realm and say, hey, hi. I'm the only one who knows me and my Father. And I've got something for you all. Anybody interested in partaking? But it's going to challenge you to the core because it is not your norm. And it's nothing to do with your natural way. It's got nothing to do with the earth that you were born into, with, lives in you. It is nada, completely, 150% completely different. But it is real, and it is true, and it does what it says it does. Anybody hungry, anybody thirsty. This is what is going on in here. This is what they're being confronted with. Remember, because they've got in their head who the Messiah is. He's certainly not going to come and be offering his blood. See, can you recognize when his word is being spoken? Can you recognize when he's standing right in front of you? Do you recognize it or do you completely not see it at all? See, that was their challenge. They couldn't recognize it because he didn't come the way they had a predetermined mind he was coming. And then when he spoke, he started speaking against their law. And what they didn't realize that he brought a new day, a new covenant with him. It's called the kingdom. It's now, guys, you're out of time. Your time has been fulfilled. I'm here, but you don't know what it even means for your time to be fulfilled because you're chewing on the wrong stuff right now. It's time to transition off that and into that. It's time to transition off milk and into meat. It really is. If we're on milk and being on milk, guys, it's time to get some teeth and get into the meat because you can't live this life that I'm preaching if you're just on milk. Milk is good in season at the right time, but then meat is what sustains you. This is meaty stuff that he's saying here. And they were highly offended. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. What does that mean? What does that look like to live as he lived? Walk in the manner in which he walked. 
feel what he felt, experience the persecution, the hatred, the love. What does that even mean? This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Wow. So it's his flesh and his blood. That sounds really weird, Greg. That sounds like cannibalism. Yeah, it does if we're hearing through the flesh. What does it mean to hear it through the spirit and then to be able to partake of the food source that's in an unseen realm? But it's not no longer unseen to you. It's very seen. It's where you partake from and of all the time. And so you find yourself with this oneness being able to live something out. He's saying this to them. He's saying the Passover, the feast, it's right in front of you guys. You see, I'm going to meet your natural need. I'm going to meet your physical need to take you on a spiritual journey. He's just healed people of their sickness in verse 2, but not just for the point of healing, as good as that is, because he loves. He's always moving us towards a greater goal. He's moving us towards maturity. He's moving us towards her. He's moving us so we can live as he lived, not stay as we were. He doesn't just want you following him because he does a sign and a wonder, or he puts physical bread on your table because he's your resource. He wants you following him because he wants you to be like him. So he's taking you on this journey, and he meets you where you're at. But he says, come on, follow me. Look, I'll be really honest. I probably wouldn't have followed if he told me what it all meant to follow. He has to hoodwink you and I with love, because there's no way I would have gone through what I've gone through if he said, this is what it's all going to mean. I go, I'll see you later. I'm going this way. Thanks for healing the broken heart. Thanks for getting me out the miry clay, but see ya. Again, if you know my story. And so there's this reality there where he says, yeah, you know what? I'm going to turn a couple of fish and a couple of bread and I'm going to do something because he already knew what he was going to do. But he was going to test them. Should we go have a look at that? Verse 5 and 6. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Now once again, hear spirit and flesh what's going on. So he's looking up and he's seeing the people coming, yeah? That's what's happening in the natural. I reckon he's looking up going, hey dad, I know where I came from. I know I'm the bread of life. I know I'm the Passover. I know I'm standing right in front of them. I wonder if they're going to receive me today. Yet we're going to do an incredible miracle with these five loaves and two fish because I know what you're going to do because I know your heart. But I wonder if they really see who's standing in front of them that's come down out of heaven. And as we get into the story, I'm going to tell them where I'm from so they can't miss it. But I know it's going to happen, Father, because I know that those that don't already believe. See, he saw into the unseen. He was foretelling the future, was he not? Do you know you can too? You and I are called to tell the future, foretell the future, because he's told us the future. So the more of this living man that's in us, we become like Christ, and we start sharing our testimony of what he's doing, what he's done, but what he's going to do. 
sounds that were of the same kind, doesn't it? So he's lifting up his eyes. He's seeing the people. But what does he say in John 6, 48? I'll read it to you. He says this. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. See, even though God produced and provided physical food, wasn't enough, eh? Wasn't enough. It's not enough if all you're eating is nice chicken bread rolls and KFC, beautiful food. It's not enough. You'll spiritually die, guys. And do you know, like in any process, if you plateau, there's only one way and it's going down. You'll end up going down. You'll never stay even. Like any process. What number is this phone? iPhone 7. What number are we up to? 11. Apparently my daughter told me the latest one's pretty naff. looks like a razor because it has three camera things on your face. You could do this with... It probably does that. Who knows? Apple are pretty smart. It probably has a... So it's seven, it is 11, and it starts at one. So Apple know that they must keep increasing. Otherwise they plateau, then they decline, they lose business. And Samsung are hungry, aren't they? Samsung are hungry for more business. So what does that look like for you and I? That's just a natural... What does that look like in the spirit? Aren't we going from glory to glory? Aren't we going from strength to strength in the spirit, in us, in our hearts and our minds? Aren't we coming into more of what's in the unseen, seen realm and living from? Aren't we changing? See, if we're not, you plateau and then you decline. And then this becomes irrelevant and boring. And like Hebrews said, you actually no longer meet with the brethren. You've given up Hebrews uh, 10.25. You no longer meet because you see no worth in the gathering because it's just about hearing some people talk and sing some songs and I leave unchanged. Well, no, it's not that. If that is the issue, there's a problem, but it's not with what's happening. The problem is here. It always is. We're not the problem, but the way we think here is a problem. Because he's right in front of them going, I'm not the problem. I'm the solution. I'm down from heaven. My father gave you food. They ate, they died. The real food's right in front of you. Do you want to partake of it? But it's going to come differently to the way you know. And it's mad. It is like kingdoms colliding, isn't it? Eat my flesh. You say you're the Messiah. You say you're the one. You don't even know the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. Ooh. Second thing. So one observation, lifting up his eyes, he knows where he's from. Number two, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Jesus was testing him, for he knew what he was intending to do. You don't buy the stuff. You see, the eternal can produce the natural, can't he? God produces the natural, and he produces the eternal food. But you can't buy the eternal food. So the solution to the problem was we've got to take this natural resource. He's going, yeah, I'm going to fix that. Who actually gave them the fish and the loaves? Oh, oh, I'm glad the cat was on, didn't spill any of that good stuff. <laughs> Who gave Jesus the loaves and the fish? A little boy, really? Who gave the little boy the loaves and the fish? 
How do you know that? He could have been very resourceful, fished, went along. Okay, his mum maybe supplied the hook and the line. I don't know. God is the giver of the seed to all. That's what Corinthians teaches me. That's why what Sam just taught before, it's not our money. He gives you his resource to bless him with. To withhold his resource to bless him is to withhold a blessing unto the, unto the Lord. He supplies the seed for the sower. I know what you're going to do. You've already sorted in that boy over there who was prepared, not like everyone else here. He came with his lunch. No one else did. Oh, he's a child. You've got to come like a child. Why are you coming like an adult? You'll never understand if you come like an adult. You've got to come like a little boy. He came prepared. Adults worry about many things, don't they, of their own lives because they haven't lost them yet. So they don't come prepared, but they always come to receive but never to give. But the little boy comes to give because he's prepared because he's a little child. Come to me like a little child. Why? Because what I'm about to say is going to mess you up. It's really going to turn you over and all your theology, maybe what you've been taught and how it weighs, it's really going to, thank you Lord for holding that word, mess you up in your mind. But he loves them because it's the Jews of, sorry, the feast of the Jews. And he's the Passover that came for his people, which we are all his people. But he said, I've come for the lost tribe of Israel. But his people rejected him because they tried to understand him in the natural. And they had a reference for him, which had no revelation of it. So when he turned up, they didn't see him. Let's not be like them. Let's learn from our... Yes. Thank you for that word, mistakes, and their disobedience, and enter in. So the natural can never produce the eternal, but God in the eternal can produce the natural and the eternal. And he's trying to move these guys off and into a greater reality. But Philip's response is always interesting because then he starts talking about, uh, let me read it, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. See how he goes straight away to man's works. He's thinking, oh my goodness, natural resource is not enough to meet the need. But Jesus has already got it sorted. And he's thinking his head works. We think and out works, okay? Now I've got to go fine, I've got to work this food. No. The worst thing you could do is leave here and try to work this out and try to bring yourself into life. That would be to operate from the operating system of the world. This is about letting that all go, coming as a child who may know nothing now because you're coming with a clean slate of, I only come with revelation, not what I think, and going, Father, help me and reveal in me this mana from above, which I need to live an eternal life. Lord, I am completely helpless to change my heart, my mind, 
anybody else, but I am here asking, seeking, and knocking because I've heard of a reality that's for me. I didn't understand it, but I had enough to know I'm here. So can you reveal, Holy Spirit, this in me so I can partake of a food source? And would you open up a realm so I can see, so I can live from it? Do you know why Paul prayed? I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in the knowledge of God, Ephesians 1.18, because he knew the way in. Do you and I. And Jesus is standing right in front, and yet he produces 12 baskets left over of natural food. What does it look like in the spiritual food? He does it to make a point. And then he says this in verse 26, and I'll close with this. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He takes everything and anything to create a physical reality in us to get us to a spiritual dimension. So he says, I'll meet that need. And he even uses the natural as a foreshadowing of the substance. Being full in the natural is a foreshadow of a greater substance. That's what I just read out, didn't I, in Hebrews. The Passover, bread, the lamb, the, uh, all the stuff, is a foreshadow of the substance. It's not the substance. It leads you. So the healing of the people who are sick, the feeding of the 15,000 people was a foreshadow to lead all those people to the substance. And he takes it up a few gears and says, right, now I'm about to show you who I really am. And that's where we're going to finish. So Father, I pray that we would be encouraged to pursue you, that we would be encouraged after hearing today to leave other things behind that aren't producing this eternal life. And God, I pray you would open up the eyes of our heart and the ears of our heart to see and hear you. This food source is you. It's your son. He is the eternal life. He was sent from the eternal place. He was with you in the beginning, and at your time he was sent into the world to offer himself, but not just as a physical thing, Lord, but to bring a spiritual kingdom alive within us through the power that rose him from the grave. And Lord, it's your power that propels us into and has us living from this unseen, eternal kingdom, which is on earth. So I thank you, God, that when he came, the words he said were, this time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God, my Father, is at hand. And he told us to repent and believe in the message and the messenger who brought this message. And you say the work of God starts at believing. And so, Father, I pray that we would be captivated and believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen.